are listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. For more information about our church, you can find us at heightschurch.org. All right, so Revelation 19 is where we're going to be. I want to open us up in a word of prayer. Father, thank you uh, for who you are. Uh, Thank you for the songs we got to sing this morning, Lord, confessing that um, all the power goes to you. All our praise goes to you because you are the one true uh, powerful God. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we get to take a peek into the throne room of heaven today uh, through the lens of your word, uh, and we can see what it will be like for us as believers in Jesus in the future Uh, to worship at the throne of Christ perfectly and eternally. Lord, I just pray this morning as we continue our Heaven, Hell, and Here series that uh, understanding what comes next changes the way we live now. And so, Father, help each and every one of us to make the proper adjustments in our lives uh, to glorify and to honor you today. Help us as a church to continue to worship you and to uh, just to spread the name of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. According to bride.com, and yes, I looked at this up on the internet. I do not go to bride.com often, but according to bride.com, right now in the United States, it takes on average 13 to 18 months to plan a wedding. Now, if you think... <laughs> Yes, proper uh, response by a guy, you know. Uh, What is the uh, answer to that? All the ladies are like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, 13 to 18 months. Uh, But if you think of a typical wedding, who is the star of the show? It's the bride, right? I mean, you just think about it. The, The bride gets her own song down the aisle. It's called the bridal march, right? Everyone stands up and looks at the bride when she's walking down. The bride will receive a dress that probably she will keep the rest of her life, maybe pass on to, a, to her daughter one day. But you think about the bride. The bride is really at the center of a wedding. She's the star, the focal point. I mean, the poor groom is often just ushered in from the side door with the pastor. He has rented a tux or a suit that more than likely another man will wear next weekend at his wedding. And so in our Western context, it's the bride that is at the center of the wedding. But John, in this day and time, when he writes Revelation 19, the bride is not the center or the focal point of the wedding then, but it was the groom. See, the groom back in that day, he's the focal point. He's the star of the show, if you will. He is the one that all focus is on in the wedding. Within the analogy through the New Testament, we are called the bride of Christ, the church, the saved, the redeemed. If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ this morning, the Bible says your sin is taken away and you belong to the universal church. You are the bride of Christ and it is Christ who is our bridegroom. And so this morning, when you walk through this passage with me and we look at this marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to see that the focus is not on the bride, but the focus is rightly on the bridegroom. 
If you think of your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, what we do as a church, all our focus should be on Christ. I love the way John Piper writes this. He says, Christ does not exist to make much of us. We exist in order to enjoy making much of him. And so I want to invite you into the throne room of heaven today. I want to invite you, as John does, to come on in and let's look at this marriage supper of the Lamb and let's make much of our bridegroom, Jesus. First, let's praise Jesus today for his work and salvation. Pick up with me in Revelation 19, verse 1. John says, After this I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality. He's avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more, verse 3 says, they cried out, hallelujah, the smoke goes up from her forever and ever, and the 24 elders, the four living creatures, fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne, saying, amen, hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. When John picks up in verse 1, he says, after this, he's talking about the actions of Revelation chapter 17 and 18, in which the great city Babylon, the evil empire, is destroyed. You see that referenced within the verses I just read of talking about the great harlot. You have to understand that God is a God that is not disinterested. He's not disengaged, but he's a God who will judge sin. He will judge evil, that God is not going to let sin and injustice go unpunished. But what you see John focusing our attention on is not who's around the throne, being the 24 elders or the four living creatures. I know as we read those passages, we begin to ask those questions. Who are these people around the throne? What does this mean? What does that mean? But no, take your attention and put it on the one who's on the throne and notice what's happening. Verse 1, verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, you see a word that says, Alleluia. Hallelujah means to praise Yahweh, to praise the Lord. And we see that all the living creatures, all of heaven is praising Christ who now has delivered us from evil, who has taken care of evil. Our praise is on him. But notice also the praise for the church. Verse 6, John picks up. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder crying out, Alleluia, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. We see in verse 7, an action in heaven that we will do eternally that our lives should be about here on earth. Verse 7 says, let us exalt and rejoice in him. This is the action of the believer in Jesus Christ that we are to have constantly in our lives, exalting and rejoicing in who God is. See, so understand sin happens in our life when we move God off the proper throne in our lives. Sin happens when we introduce someone or something else in our lives that takes our fo focus and our attention off of praising the Lord. 
That's when sin enters in. But we can be grateful that Christ redeems us of that sin. And that one day Christ brings us into his throne room because of his action where we get to enjoy his presence forever and for all of eternity, rejoicing and exalting him and giving him the glory. But did you notice verse 7 said something else about what we're to do? Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. The bride has made herself ready. And you remember I said earlier that the church, the redeemed, the believers in Jesus Christ, we are the bride of Christ. He is our bridegroom. We are to make ourselves ready for that day. Well, how do we make ourselves ready for this? What what are we to do? I want you to listen to what Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 through 13. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And that's how we make ourselves ready for the return of Christ for this moment. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We take our salvation, our relationship with Jesus Christ seriously. So you understand that what you do in this life matters. How you live matters. Who you worship matters now and for all of eternity. Because what you do in this life determines your eternal destination. Now, we'll be very careful as you look at the uh, Philippians 2, 12 through 13 there. When we work out that salvation, it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So now, what we do as believers in Jesus Christ, that does not save us, that does not bring us our salvation. We're living out the salvation we say we have in Christ. So as believers in Jesus Christ, we put our focus and our attention on pleasing the Lord, living for the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And notice what John says about those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb in verse 9. It says, and the angel said to me, write this. The angel told to John, write these words, verse 9, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. said, these are the true words of God. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are blessed. You might think, well, I don't feel blessed. Right? I, I have health issues. The bank account's running empty. I need a job. My kids are out of control. You know, the grandkids are going nuts. I don't feel blessed. Now, the Bible says as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are blessed because you're invited to this. Because of what Christ has done on your behalf and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are blessed because this is your eternal home. If you missed last week, you can listen back on the podcast through our website. We went over the doctrine of hell to understand that everyone will end up in one of two destinations, heaven or hell. And when you understand hell and its realities, then we can look at heaven and say we are blessed to be there. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What's going on with this marriage supper of the Lamb? Let's, let's kind of think about an ancient Jewish wedding to understand this a little better. See, an ancient Jewish wedding had three parts to it. The first part is what's called the betrothal period. 
It's where the bride's parents and the groom's parents entered into a contract. Uh, and they, they said, all right, our kids are going to get married. They're engaged now. They're betrothed to one another. About a year later, on wedding day, it would be the bridegroom who would come to the bride's house. Sometimes it took place at midnight. And the bridegroom and his, uh, you know, bridal party would come to the bride's house. They would have a torch-lit parade. And they would pick up the bride and her bridal party and they would bring them back to the bridegroom's house, to the groom's house. And that's where the wedding was. And then at the wedding, after the wedding, they would have a marriage supper, what we would call a reception. Now, their difference in their reception, our reception, our reception will last hours. Their reception would last days and a party and a party for all of what just took place. I want you to think about what Jesus does on our behalf. It's Jesus who purchases your salvation by his blood on the cross. When Christ died on the cross, he took your sin upon himself. 1 Corinthians says that it is Christ who bought you, redeemed you by his blood. There is coming a day, what we call the rapture of the church, where the bridegroom comes for his bride. Then the rapture of the church, some believe maybe it takes place before the seven-year tribulation, in the middle, or at the end. But there's coming a day in the point in time where Christ will call up all the Christians here on earth, and he'll say, it's time, my bride, to come home. Everybody good with that? Amen? Right? You know, and some people are always like, Lee, you got to pin yourself down. Are you pre-tribulation, rapture, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation? I'm for it. Right? You know what? I can give you my best educated guess, but I am pro-rapture of the church. I am for Jesus coming for his bride anytime he wants to and say it's time to come home because the wedding is about to take place. And then it's the marriage supper. Blessed are all those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb where we will join from every people from every tribe, tongue, and nation sitting around the throne, feasting, enjoying the presence of our Savior from all of eternity. Will we eat at the marriage supper of the Lamb? I have no idea. I know some of you are already starting to think of these questions. What will we eat? Hopefully Chick-fil-A. I don't know. I know if there is food there, there will be pulled pork barbecue there, Eastern North Carolina style, just because that's the best. I don't know. But what will we do? We will sing hallelujah to the Lord who sits on the throne for all of eternity. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There is a a place back where I'm from. It's uh, back in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's called the Angus Barn. And uh, I got a picture for you of what the Angus Barn looks like. I know we use the term barn. You think, ah, that's not a very fancy place. But this is actually one of the most exclusive and upscale steakhouse restaurants in Raleigh. Uh, just to kind of contextualize it a little bit for you, it would be like Killen's Steakhouse, just probably a little more upscale. Now, when you go in, uh, and, and this, I got another folk, uh, picture for you. This is your place setting. Now, this is going to shock a lot of you, um, but I'm not a very fancy person, okay? I, whew, man, whew, glad I cleared that up for so many of you. Um, 
so Sandra and I got an opportunity to eat here at an invitation of a friend once just to celebrate an event in their life. And I sit down and look, guys, I've got no clue what to do with that. <laughs> I, I'm a one fork person. Um, you know, I can eat my salad with the fork and I don't need to switch. I'm good. You know, I can eat one fork, a salad, and a steak. I, I really, I don't know what to do at those places because I'm like, look, I just warmed that one fork up, right? <laughs> the salad was the one, you know, the warm-up. The fork and me were one now. Don't make me switch. Two spoons. I don't even use a spoon half the time anyway. I mean, you get, you get my point. That's a fancy supper. In Revelation chapter 19, there is the marriage supper of the Lamb. That is for those that are redeemed by Jesus Christ. But I would not be doing much of my job this morning if I did not warn you of another supper. And in the same passage, there is what's called the Supper of God. In Revelation 19 and verse 11, we read of the time in history, what we would call the Battle of the Armageddon, where the nations and the people who oppose Christ will stand opposed to Jesus. And verse 11, heaven opens up and Christ comes again. We use the term battle, but it's really over before it starts because Christ will destroy, judge those who stand opposed to him. And then in verse 17 through 18, we read these words. John said, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead, come gather for the great supper of God, to eat the flesh of the kings, the flesh of the captains, the flesh of the mighty men, the flesh of the horses and their riders, the flesh of all the men, both free and slave, both small and great. I want to ask you this morning, which supper will you attend? Christ is inviting you to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You have an open invitation to heaven today. Christ says, I came to redeem you, not judge you. But understand those who are in hell for all of eternity are those who put their hands up constantly to God today saying, I don't want you now. There comes a point where God will say, well then, I don't want you forever because you've constantly told me no. Friends, don't tell him no. You have that invitation to the marriage supper of the land. You have that invitation for salvation today. You have that invitation out before you where God says, I want a relationship with you now and for all of eternity. I'm inviting you to my supper, the marriage supper of the land. So which supper in the future will you attend? The marriage supper of the Lamb or the supper of God? Salvation or judgment? I want to give you an opportunity right now where you are to make that decision. I invite you to bow and just close your eyes where you are. This morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have placed your faith, your trust in Jesus, I want to invite you right now just to pray. And to say, Father God, thank you for that salvation that I have in Christ. Maybe just pray, God, I, I don't want this news of what you have done in my life to ever get old. I want to be able to celebrate constantly, afresh and anew, the work of salvation in Jesus. Will you pray that? 
Maybe pray for someone that you brought today, maybe someone you know in your life that needs Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I want to address those of you today that maybe do not believe Jesus is your Savior, or maybe you're unsure of that. You have some doubts. God doesn't want you to leave with doubt, and God certainly doesn't want you to leave and to live another moment without knowing Jesus as his Savior. That's, that's why I believe you're here. I don't believe you're here by accident. Uh, if you're here today, you've been prayed for. We, we pray for our services beforehand and prayed for you last night. That Just pray, God, if there's one person here today with doubt, if there's one person that needs Christ as their Savior, we pray that day is today they will come to know Jesus. And the Bible says today can be that day of salvation for you. You can receive this invitation of knowing Christ as your Savior now and forever. The Bible says to call out to him, just to pray and say, God, I need Jesus as my Savior. So I'm going to voice a prayer. You can pray along with me. God knows your heart. God knows what's on your mind. God just wants you to express to him your desire today. And so maybe you want to pray quietly where you are. Dear God, I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today, I place my faith and trust in Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe Jesus rose again from the dead. Today, I'm ready to follow Christ with my life. God, I want to pray today for those that have prayed that. We want to rejoice with them because we know Luke 15 says that all of heaven rejoices when one person turns to you. And so, Lord, we want to rejoice and we want to celebrate Christ and what you're doing in the lives of these folks who are here. Lord, help us this morning as we transition to partake of the Lord's Supper to remember what Christ has done on our behalf, to testify what Jesus has done, and, Father, to also look forward to the anticipation of Christ coming again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Heights Baptist Church in Alvin, Texas. On Sunday mornings, we have life groups for all ages at 9 a.m., followed by worship service at 10.30 a.m. For more information about how to support the ministry of Heights Baptist Church, go to heightschurch.org slash give.